Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> it is good to see you this morning. And uh, uh, if you have uh, your Bible this morning, I encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 10. I pray that you do have your Bible. And uh, this morning we're beginning Love Month, and, and I thought it would be appropriate that we start by talking about loving Jesus. And so, uh, really, that's what we want to do. And I want to read just a few verses of Scripture. Uh, opening text to kind of get us set, and, uh, and then we'll go from there. So look with me in Matthew chapter 10. As we begin this morning, look at the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, beginning in verse number 37. Draw your eyes down to verse number 37. And Jesus said, He that loveth father or mother more than me... Uh-oh. What did he say? He said, He that loveth father or more or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Wow, powerful words. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house again, and Lord, we certainly want to hear from you today, and so Lord, I pray that you'll speak through me clearly, and God, that you'll use your word to convict our hearts, God, that you'll use your word to change lives today. Lord, I do pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, because you are my strength and you are my redeemer. And Lord, I've realized a long time ago that without you, I can do nothing. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll have your will and your way today in each and every heart that's here, every heart that's listening online, God, and that you'll be exalted, that you'll be magnified in this place. Lord, we look forward to what you'll do through those who will be baptized this morning. God, I pray that people will be obedient to that call. That if there's somebody here that knows that they need to be baptized, that they've never been baptized, that they would come today, that they would present themselves and be baptized. Lord, we love you. We look forward to what you will do in the next few moments of time. And we give you the praise in advance, for it's in Jesus' name that we do pray, and for his sake, amen and amen. Well, to this the morning, I want to start our love month by spending some time thinking about, as I said, what it looks like to love Jesus. And if I were to simply just ask everybody, if I were to ask the masses this question of whether or not you love Jesus, I would guess, and I'm guessing that the answers would be a resounding yes, right? Most people, if, you, if I ask you and say, hey, do you love Jesus? Most people, especially believers, are going to say, yeah, sure, I love Jesus. But let me ask a couple of other questions that might set our trajectory this morning. First of all, let me ask this question. Would people be able to tell that you love Jesus or that I love Jesus by the way we live our lives? See, that's a very different question. See, if I just ask, do you love Jesus, it's a simple yes. But if I turn around and say, would people be able to tell that you and I actually love Jesus by the way that we lived, then we have to stop and we have to contemplate our very answers. Secondly, the question I would ask is when people look at us, do they see lives that are devoted to loving and serving Jesus? Or do our lives signal another message? You see, in truth, our lives have a way of communicating a very powerful message, don't they? 
people look at our lives and, and our lives have a way of communicating a message and, and, and really they declare our answers to both of those questions of how we're living our lives and whether people actually see Jesus living inside of us. And so as we get started, I think it's important that we remember two foundational commands or principles or sayings, if you please, from the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 22, you might remember that a lawyer comes to Jesus at night. In verse number 36, he says, he asks Jesus, he says, which is the great commandment in the law? And if you remember, Jesus goes on and, and he responds in verse number 37, and he says these words, he says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. And if you and I were to read Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel, Mark and Luke actually add strength to the situation. And so Jesus says and answers the lawyer, he says the first and great commandment is to love God with everything that you are. But hold on a second because we just read in verse number 37 of our text that Jesus also says, watch this, he says in verse 37, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And so when I think about it, I've got Jesus on one hand saying that we're to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And then also we've got Jesus saying, hey, guess what? You're also supposed to love me more than you love your parents. You're supposed to love me more than you love your children. Those things aren't supposed to get in the way of loving me. And sadly, we live in a culture today that confuses the issue of loving God. And maybe some of you have been privy to it. You've run into people who will say things like, Hey, listen, man, it's okay. We all love and worship the same God. Anybody heard that? I can assure you that's not the case. It's not the case. We don't love and worship the same God. And yet people will say, Listen, hey, don't worry about it. I'm just getting to God a different way than you get there. And see, what happens is our culture, our society, this world, if you please, has been confused. It's been, it's been uh, baffled, if you please, by the statements of people who are saying, listen, I'm still trying to love God. I just love God in a different way than you love Him. Folks, let me remind you, there's only one God. And there's only one way to get to that God. And Jesus said it was through him. You remember what he said to his disciples in John chapter 14. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. But look at verse number 7 because he goes on and he says, If ye had known me, he's talking about the ones that followed him the most, the closest. He says, but if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. See, he's always connecting himself to the Father. And he says this, and henceforth ye know him and have seen him. And if you remember that text, you remember in verse number 8, that Peter says, hey, listen, he says, show us the Father, and it'll sufficeth us. It, it, just show us the Father, Jesus. If you're talking about that we've seen you, that we've seen the Father, this is very confusing. You've told us to love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy mind. And now you're telling us that if we love father or mother or son or daughter more than we love you, that we're not worthy of you. Just show us the Father. And Jesus in verse number 9, he says, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? And notice what he says, he that has seen me has seen the Father. 
And how sayest then thou, show us the Father? You see, Jesus was always connecting loving God with loving him. He was always connecting himself to the Father. In fact, you remember maybe, and, he's, and he did this a number of times in John chapter 5, but also in John chapter 8. He's speaking to a group of Pharisees, you know, the religious rights society, the so-called religious people uh, or God-oriented people of his day. He's talking with them in John chapter 8. And in verse 42, he says to them, he says, if God were your father, this is amazing. He says, if God were your father, you would love me. But we know that the Pharisees didn't love Jesus. In fact, every time we turned around, they were trying to trap him. They were trying to catch him in some snafu. But he says, if if God were your father, you you would love me. He says, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself. Watch this. But he sent me. And then in verse number 43, Jesus rhetorically asked them the question. He says, why do you not understand my speech? He says, why why don't you understand what I'm saying to you? He says, because if you really love God the way that you say that you love God, rather than just going through the motions, rather than just having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, if you really loved God, then you would love me as well. In fact, if you were to read on, and for the sake of time we won't do it, but if you were to read on in in John chapter 8 and verse 44, the Bible clearly makes it, Uh, It makes it clear that these religious people did not love Jesus at all. In fact, Jesus says that they weren't even connected to his father. He says, "You, you guys aren't even connected to my father because if you were connected to my father, you would love me. And since you don't love me, guess what? You're under the authority. You're under the influence of your true father. And you remember who he said their true father was, right? He said their true father was the devil. And so this this topic of loving Jesus is incredibly important. You see, because the same message resonates with you and I today. If God is our Father, then it stands to reason that we will love Jesus. And guess what? If we say that we love Jesus, it's going to be evidenced in how we live our lives. We cannot honestly love God without having a love for His Son. You see how that works. You can't say, I love God, and say, well, I hate Jesus. That just doesn't work. In fact, the Apostle Paul, I love how he closes his letter to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6. He's he's finished talking about the armor of God. And at the end of chapter 6, in verse number 24, he says these words. He says, grace be with all them, watch what he says, that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Now, you may look at that passage and say, well, what exactly is he saying other than that they need to love Jesus? He says that they love him in sincerity. Now, that word sincerity actually means to be loving Jesus from the heart without hypocrisy. And here it is. Not just to love Jesus in word, but to love him in deed and truth. See, if you and I say that we love Jesus, there has to, there has to, there has to be more to that love than just simply saying, yeah, I love you, Lord. It has to be something else going on in our lives. Loving Jesus is actually going to be evidenced in how we live. To be sure, loving Jesus, I put down this, loving Jesus is the litmus test. It's actually the litmus test for knowing whether a person actually loves God. 
If you say, I love God, but I don't love Jesus, it's a problem. If you tell me you love Jesus, but you don't love God, that's a problem. They're connected. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul took, he took the importance of loving Jesus so, it was so important to him, right, that he closes his letter, the first letter that he writes to the church at Corinth, he closes the letter to them by saying this. He says, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. Now, what does that mean? He's basically saying if there's anybody that doesn't love Jesus, let him be accursed. Let him be separated because believers love Jesus. And if you say you don't love Jesus, then he says let him be accursed. Oh, my friends, loving Jesus was extremely important to the Apostle Paul. And I pray that you love Jesus. I pray that you love Jesus. Oh, you remember the songs, right? You remember, you're not too old to remember those songs that we used to sing when we used to sit around. Little kids. Jesus loves. For what? Little ones. We are. Sing it. Yes, Jesus. Do you believe it? Loves me. Yes. I'm surprised. Most everybody knew the words to that. You know the other song, right? When I sing these songs, I think about Lil. <laughs> Lil was like my grandmother. <laughs> she was my grandmother for all intents and purposes. Many of you all know Lil came into my life. And after my mother passed away, she, she took care of me. And uh, she would take me to Sunday school every Sunday. She taught four and five-year-old class for 42 years, Carol. <laughs> Be not weary and well-doing. I don't think you've reached 42 years. 42 years. And she used to sing songs like that with so much excitement. She would say, oh, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Right? Oh, she loved Jesus. You want to know why? Because she knew that Jesus loved her. Oh, I pray that you love Jesus because love comes from love. Don't we see that throughout Scripture? The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I say many times, God so loved the world that he sent and he gave. Jesus so loved the world that he came and he died. See, we forget that part. We like to think about God so loved the world that he gave his only... What about Jesus' part? He's the one that came and died. Oh, God loves us. The Bible confirms this in Romans 5, in verse number 8. And guys, if we get too, if we get too uh, lackadaisical with these scriptures, we do ourselves a disservice because the Bible says, but God commendeth his love. He proved his love. He put it on the line. 
He commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Again, God's love is evidenced by exactly not only what he did, but what Jesus did. And folks, the, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak, when it comes to our love for Jesus. We can say we love him, but what are we doing to prove it? In 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 19, here's the foundation, really. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. You see, this is the foundation of our love for God. And if we say that we love God, there's no doubt that we will love Jesus. Oh yes, heaven came down. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Brian, Brian used to always say, glory, well glory. Glory filled my soul when heaven came down. And met a 13-year-old sinner by the name of Greg Corcoran. And said, guess what? Your way isn't working out. And I'm looking at you, Francis, because I was sitting in the second row of the center section. Different church, but same pew. It's like you pick up the pew and move, right? Said, your plan's not working. Get over your anger. God has a plan for your life. And so I can tell you, for those who are afraid to walk down to the aisle, that's a long way from there to there. Because old pride gets in the way. But I realized that Jesus loved me, and so I gave my heart to him. Oh yes, Jesus paid it all. But that song goes on and says, and all, and all to him I owe. Oh yes, as believers, our love for Jesus comes from the fact that we have been stunned by the love that placed him on the cross. If you've never been stunned by Jesus' love, I got news for you, you probably don't love him. You probably don't love him. See, because love is not just something that's theoretical. It's not something that's just uh, intellectual. Loving Jesus is something that takes place in the very depths of our soul, in the very depths of our heart. It is transformational when we fall in love with Jesus. Notice a couple of things about these verses. In verse number 37, if you're a note taker, I would just say this. Loving Jesus may set us against family. Anybody ever had any family rifts over Jesus? I know we have family rifts over about every other thing under the sun. Right? We go home, if you dare, at Thanksgiving. And you argue about everything under the sun. Most of the time it's politics. But every once in a while people argue about Jesus. See, Jesus says here in verse 37, He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus, by the way, is not suggesting that you and I ought to love our parents or our children less. Don't walk away from here thinking, man, Jesus is a big old mean ogre. He doesn't want me to love my parents, but my mother needs my care. I'm thinking about my mother-in-law right now. My wife has been offering a lot of care for my mother-in-law during this season of her life. Jesus isn't telling you to love your mother less. He's saying, love me more. That's the point. He's saying, hey, listen, you can love your parents. You can love your children. You can love all these wonderful things that I've blessed you with. But guess what? I'm to be uno, number one. I'm to be first. Unfortunately, this type of love, this type of commitment to Jesus Christ has always had a way of separating even friends and family. 
the phrase in verse number 37 that says, is not worthy of me, when he says, he that loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, he that loves son or daughter is not worthy of me, is not saying that you and I somehow have to come to a point where we're worthy of salvation because folks will never be worthy. The point is that he's saying that you will not have him. If, the, if you love mom or dad more than you love Jesus, if you love son or daughter more than you love Jesus, the point is Jesus says, you have no room for me. It's kind of loving God and mammon. The two don't go together. You're going to either love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. We have to make a choice. And Jesus says, I need to be loved more. Any person who's more concerned with their parents or children will never have him. And any person who puts others before Jesus, and it doesn't even have to be other people, it can be other things, idols, little gods that we create in our own lives, isn't worthy to be called a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the point of this verse. In other words, if I'm more concerned about loving, serving, or obeying my parents or my children, I got a problem. By the way, we live in a culture today where that seems to be running rampant. We live in a culture where uh, we, we tend to obey and serve our parents. We live in a culture today, this might sting a little, where we tend to obey and serve our children more than we do God. Jesus says, if you love them more than me, you're not worthy of me. Oh, we must be very careful about loving Jesus on Loving Jesus Sunday and all throughout the year. You see, the question then becomes one of whether or not we have a true attachment to him. And so we must ask ourselves, do we love Jesus? Secondly, I just notice in verse 37 also that loving Jesus demands a supreme type of love. You see, it's a love that supersedes all loves. The truth is that Jesus must be loved supremely or else he's probably not loved at all. And really, in, in honesty, he's probably not loved at all if he's not loved supremely. In his commentary on the Bible, Adam Clark records this. He says, he whom we love the most is he whom we study most to please, and whose will and interest we prefer in all cases. So we must ask ourselves, whose will, whose interests are we preferring? You see, as believers, the question becomes, who do we love the most? This love is supposed to supersede all loves. This love also requires self-denial. Look at verse 38. Because in verse 38, Jesus says, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Oh, yes, we have a decision to make. Can I tell you this, quite honestly, that the love that we see in verse 37 is actually the motive for taking up the cross in verse 38? See, if I'm saying that Jesus is first, if I'm saying he's more important than anything else in my life, then guess what? Taking up my cross and following his example is not going to be a big deal. It's actually going to, it actually reminds me of what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12 when he says, hey, it's your reasonable service to present your lives a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. It's reasonable is what he was saying. Oh yes, you see, if we love Jesus, the evidence will be seen daily. Not just, not just on Sundays, it will be seen daily in how we die to our own selfish whims and wishes. Instead, anyone who supremely loves Jesus will faithfully and willingly carry their cross. By the way, what does it look like to carry our cross? I remember there was a guy out in Springfield, Missouri that we used to ride around town 
and some who lived out in that neck of the woods remember there was a guy he used to drag a cross all throughout the city he's like dragging his cross and I thought man I'm not really sure your message is resonating with the people I would see him on Campbell Avenue, I'd see him on Sunshine, I'd see him on Glenstone, and this guy, he's just busy carrying his cross. Folks, the idea of carrying our cross for Jesus is to understand that you may have to endure some things that I don't. And I may have to endure some things that you don't. But guess what? I joyfully, willingly carry those crosses following the example of my Lord and Savior who, by the way, placed himself on the cross for my sins. Oh, listen, loving Jesus is not the same as obeying his commands. A lot of people will say, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Loving Jesus, if you love Jesus, then you just got to obey his commands. And while I'm very familiar with what John 14 and verse 15 says, where Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, here's the point. Just like self-denial... Watch this. Just like self-denial, obedience is simply another result of loving God and loving Jesus. It's, not, it's, it's the result. It doesn't mean that I love him. It's the result of that love. It's just like the love that I have for my wife. The result is that I will do things in the marriage that I typically wouldn't do as a selfish individual. Very similar. To our walk with the Lord. Oh yes, loving Jesus is deep. It's foundational. It's transformative because of one thing and one thing only. It's because we treasure him above all things. And folks, if that's not the case, then it's really not love at all that we say we have. Oh yes, this love is to supersede all other loves. This love requires self-denial. This love results in finding real peace. Look at verse 39. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Now, do me a favor. Flip over uh, back to John chapter 1. Or, or flip over to John chapter 1, not back, because I know we're in Matthew. Flip over, over to John chapter 1, because I want you to see something. Jesus says, he that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. But notice what John chapter 1 says. And look right away in verse number one. Watch, watch what it says. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse three, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Look here, here's the key, verse four. And in him was life. If you're enjoying life today, that abundant life, that gift of eternal life, it's through Jesus Christ. In him, watch, in him was life, and the life was, what does it say? The light of men. You remember what Jesus said in John chapter 8, confirming what's being said right here in John chapter 8 in verse number 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me. Why would anybody follow him? Why would anybody take up his cross, deny himself, and follow Jesus? Why? Because he loves Jesus. That's the only reason people are picking up their cross. That's the only reason you and I are going to live lives that evidence that love, right? And so what, now watch what he says. He says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of 
life. How amazing is it that our God loves us so much that he gives us this life in Jesus Christ. You see, when we understand God's love and when we truly understand Jesus' love for you and I, it's going to be life-changing. Let me ask you a question. Was your life changed when you trusted Christ? <laughs> it's not a trick question. <laughs> See, we've, I, I believe, I, I'll be real honest. I believe we've gotten too quiet. And I know there are certain people who are like, I praise the Lord quietly. Oh, I've already preached on that a few months ago. No, you can, you can worship the Lord and, and you can do these things. But there comes a point in time where you have to, with your mouth, let that praise be known. We were talking about when we sing songs, like, I will not sing this song. Well, you just have made the choice. You don't want to praise God. I will not sing Jesus loves me this. I know. I sang that when I was five. I'm above that. Oh, don't ever get above the love of Jesus. Oh, man, don't ever lose out on the love of Jesus. Right? Pastor Skinner used to say, don't you just love Jesus? Oh, I pray that you do. I pray that you love Jesus today because he loves you. Look at the point in verse number 39 again. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. See, the point that's being made here in Scripture, now this is really rough. There's no middle ground. A lot of, a lot of Christians, they like to walk the walk. Right there? Megan thinks I'm going to fall over. She's like, this guy's got headaches, he's going to fall over, he's going to make a mess of himself today. There's no middle ground. You and I are either sparing our lives or we're sacrificing our lives. Do you love Jesus? Because he says, he says right here, he that finds his life shall lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake, he says, he, he's the one that's going to find it. He's the one whose life is going to result in real life. Oh, it's all based on whether or not we love Jesus. Warren Wearsby. Oh, Warren Wearsby. What a practical commentator. He says, if we protect our own temporary interests, we will be losers. <laughs> He's kind of blunt. He says, if we protect our own temporary interests, we will be losers. But if we die to self and live for Jesus and live for his interests... Good news, we will be winners. The choice is up to us. You see, love is not something we just say, it's proved by what we do. There's an old saying, talk is, you guys know it, talk is cheap. Oh, the same is true in scripture. If we love Jesus, we will admire him. Watch this, we will admire him more than any other. If we love Jesus, we will trust his way. We will trust his word more than anyone or anything else. If we really love Jesus, we're going to want his approval more than we want the approval of our mother and father, our son and daughter. If we really love Jesus, we're going to want to be with him more than we want to be with anybody else. If we really love Jesus, we're going to feel more grateful to him than we do for anything else anybody else can give us. If we really love Jesus, guess what? We're going to exalt him more than we exalt anybody else, by the way, including ourselves. We live in a society who loves to exalt themselves. Look at me. Look at what I can do. Remember, we can do nothing without Jesus. 
Oh, when we love Jesus, he's going to have the highest priority in our lives. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7, and I close the message. I want to read a story here in Luke chapter 7, and we'll close the message. Look with me as you get there. In, in, in Luke chapter 7, we're going to find the story of a Pharisee by the name of Simon. And Simon has asked Jesus to come to dinner. And we're really not sure, we're, we're, to be honest, I know a lot of people have put a lot of thought into this. We're really not sure whether Simon is inviting Jesus to, so that he can, out of curiosity, or whether he's trying to scrutinize Jesus. But the reality of the story is, he asked Jesus to come to dinner, this Pharisee, right? And Jesus buys up the opportunity. And so he accepts the invitation to go to Simon's house. And so look with me in verse number 36, and let's read this story as we close our message this morning. Look what the Bible says. It says, One of the Pharisees desired that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat down uh, to meet at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now... When the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself. I love it when people speak within themselves. He spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, I love it, Jesus answers, he didn't even ask Jesus anything. Jesus says, guess what, I got to talk to you. He says, you got a problem here, bro. This is my translation. Here's your problem. Watch. It says, and Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. I bet in that moment he's probably not thinking, say on. He's probably like, uh, somebody pass the, uh, the salad. Uh, uh, can, can, uh, more cucumbers, please. Uh, what? Right? He's, he's saying, he says, say on. Notice what Jesus says, verse 41. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Watch, there's that word love. Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto them, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, so he tells the story, picture it. You guys got to get in the story. Picture it. Woman, by the way, this is kind of extra material that you don't know. In this day and age, when they went to eat, and you're just going to have to bear with me. I'm not trying to be a show showman or anything, but I want you to see. In this day and age, when they would have sat around to eat, they all would have rested on their left elbow, such as this. They would have rested on their elbow, and they would have gone around in a circle so that you could see the faces of everybody and stretched out their legs. So now picture the, the scene. Jesus is there at meat. Old girl <laughs> is down here weeping, wiping his feet, anointing his feet with oil. Watch what's going on. And he tells the story. And he starts to talk to Simon, but he's looking at the woman. Watch what he does. Watch what he does. Verse 41 or verse 43. 
And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. Verse 44, he turned to the woman and said unto Simon. He turns towards her, but he's speaking to Simon. Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gave me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, which would have been the right thing to do. Water for the feet, kissing your guests, these would have been customary. But Simon does none of these things. Watch, he says, thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time that I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. She's kissing the dirtiest part of my body right now. Watch, thou gavest, he says, my head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, he concedes. Jesus says, yes, this is a sinner, but guess what? So are you, Simon. He says, you're no different. You think you're special. You think you're different, but you're no different. He says, yes, this woman which sins are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves again, they're mumbling and grumbling and stumbling, and they say, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And verse 50, And he said unto thy woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Woo, what a Savior we serve. Simon doesn't wash Jesus' feet. He doesn't greet him with a kiss. He does nothing to show any good manners in the day and age in which he lives. In contrast, here comes a woman of the city. She's a prostitute, a sinner by trade, if you please. She's weeping. She's washing his feet. She's wiping his feet with her hair. She's anointing him with oil. In other words, she's sparing no expense and no embarrassment. She wasn't embarrassed to do it. Sometimes I think we're slow to love Jesus because we get embarrassed. We don't, don't, don't let the world know you love Jesus. Can I tell you, Jesus said, whosoever will deny me before men, I will deny before my heavenly father. Well, we better get, we better get away from being embarrassed to say that we love Jesus. We need to love him. And so she spares no expense, no embarrassment. In verse 39, he's all been out of shape. Simon's been out of shape. And he says, this man, if he were a prophet, he starts questioning Jesus. He says, hey, if this guy really were a prophet, he'd know who he's talking to. He'd know where she came from. He wouldn't have anything to do with this woman. But my Bible tells me Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so he loved this woman. Oh, Simon's upset because Jesus is accepting her gifts. And so Jesus tells a story about the two debtors and how incredible it is that one owes 500 pence, the other owes 50. And Jesus says that neither one of them could pay the debt they owed. Folks, can I encourage you to remember that none of us can pay the debt we owe. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the creditor, Jesus Christ. Who says, guess what? I'll go to the cross. I'll die in your place. I'll take the punishment that you deserve so that you can be forgiven. What a Savior we serve. Oh, do you love Jesus this morning? Jesus immediately points back to all the things that Simon should have done. 
when he first entered the house. He says, you gave me no water. You didn't even kiss my head. You didn't anoint me. You didn't do any of the things that are customary when you invite somebody to your home for supper. And yet this woman who you clearly are condemning by your words and by your actions is the one who's doing it all. Folks, don't be confused here. It wasn't because of her love that this woman was saved. Jesus says very clearly in verse number 50. Notice again, verse 50. He says, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. You see her love. Watch this. Her love was simply the evidence that she had faith in Jesus Christ. I put in my notes and highlighted it so I wouldn't forget it. Truly, this woman loved much because she realized she had been forgiven much. What about us? Do you love Jesus? We have been forgiven much. Anybody here agree that you've been forgiven much? Can I tell you, I have been forgiven much by my wife. That's a lot. But Jesus forgives all. All to him I owe. Because he paid it all. Oh, help us never to forget this. If you're here today, and Jesus is not the supreme treasure of your life, I encourage you, make him the supreme treasure of your life. If you haven't turned to Jesus yet, do it today. If you're here, you say, I've never trusted Christ, do it today. He's already paid the debt. That's good news. You don't have to pay a thing. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord, I believe that you are who you say you are. Yes, Lord, I already know that I'm a sinner. We all know I'm a sinner. Yes, Lord, I need you to forgive me of my sin. I need you to come into my life and change me from the inside out. Listen, if you've never trusted Christ, he has and will freely forgive your sin. Why not trust him today? Oh, like that creditor in Luke chapter 7. As I mentioned just a few moments ago, he will cleanse you. He will clear all the debt on your account. And in turn, the beautiful picture is that because he has cleansed, because he has cleared the debt, you will have the opportunity, just like this woman, to love him much. Oh, I pray that that's what you'll do each and every day of your life. Maybe you're here and you're saved and you say, you know what? I already know Jesus paid the debt. But I'll be real honest with you. I'm struggling. I'm struggling with my love for the Lord. I'm struggling to, to let the world see the evidence of my faith through my love for Jesus. Can I encourage you today? You may be discouraged, but Jesus is still on his throne. Nobody has replaced him and nobody ever will. You can come to him, you can ask, you can say, Lord, forgive me for not loving you the way that I should. Lord, forgive me for not living the way that I should. And you know what? The Bible says he's faithful and just. He will cleanse us of all unrighteousness because he loves you and he loves me. Why not ask him to forgive you? Why not ask him to cleanse you of all unrighteousness today? Whether you're unsaved, whether you're saved, it makes no difference. Today is a wonderful day to really proclaim that we love Jesus. Someone has rightly said this. Love is our cherishing or treasuring Jesus. Faith is our trusting 
Jesus. Obedience is our doing what Jesus says. We cannot love Jesus Christ without treasuring him, without trusting him, and without obeying him. Watch this. We know what love is by what love does. If you love Jesus, why not live like you love him? I pray that's your heart's desire today. Would you pray with me? Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.